welcome back to the Dusty Road. Today we have a special treat for you. And since this is the Halloween season, we're going to make this story a little more scary this time. There are two new children on the Dusty Road. One of them is quite ordinary in all ways, except maybe for his parents. That one has a bit of a problem. The other child is anything other than normal. We have already met his mother in a story about good vibrations. Today we meet the little boy. I'll get to that in a moment. First off, let's discuss notes from the road. We have some temporary relief tents set up next to the Blue Diamond Mart. People able to get a little bit of groceries and potentially a food voucher there. There is a substantial number of investigators and vans parked around the location of the Victorian house where Snap Boom stayed. The mistress has not been sighted in a week now. They are not around. Also, we haven't seen Karen in a week, although Cindy is still at Jacob's house. So, really, Jacob is worried now. He doesn't know what could happen to Karen or if anything did happen to Karen. What they remember was Karen was talking about visiting the Snap Boom house and checking on the investigation when the explosion happened. And now Jacob is worried sick that something did happen, even though Karen is already a ghost and people have asked him what could happen. There has been meetings at Noma's Inn where Jacob and Samantha and Darla have gone there to meet with Noma and discuss how to take care of the village. They are discussing Noma's campaign to become the next township trustee. Right now she is de facto head of this road even though that's not an elected position. It's just that she leads for everybody else. The township trustee controls about a fifth of the county. There's five of them total, and it's much more than just the dusty road. So she has to win support from the other side of the river and from the other side of the state highway. There's people over there we haven't talked about yet, but many of them have children and teenagers. They are also part of the same school district as Melissa and Dawn. We'll meet up with them later. We are seeing the same commercials on TV that we have for the past five years. It's still nothing new. There's some stuff about medicines and golf courses and soda. It appears that COVID has impacted the advertising industry as new advertisements are simply not being made. I also did see a note about color bars on 
web pages changing color. Uh, some of them turning out red or blue, or in some cases green. And it turns out this color bar change is due to color settings within the group. That if a group selects color settings, they can select the color of your color bar. I haven't done this yet. I'm not sure if it can be done. So let's try that. And besides, I cannot see it anyway on my monitor. The color of my screen is preset and does not show up within the group. Roscoe Tellers did show up at the meeting. He's able to speak quite loudly, although he had little to say to the group. He appears to know Noma pretty well. They are already friends and appear to be discussing money issues and what to do with the road. Noma wants uh, a better access to her parking lot and to extend it all the way to the state highway. Bruce is trying to get paving set up to get traffic into his small runway and be able to get passengers out easier. I don't know if we can get the dusty road paved yet. It's not really been in my imagination yet, but that's something Ross the boss wants. Of course, we did have ghost representation there. Cindy has shown up, and although her voice is rather quiet, she has been seen and even felt sometimes looking in on town meetings. And she has been noted saying to Jacob, that if Dell showed up again on these meetings, she would show the town what a banshee really is. And she showed some silver claws as she was saying that. Appeared to be growling in her voice. So it looks like Cindy's catching on to being a ghost now. She has learned to dance around and fly a little bit. And she even sings a little bit, which she did not do when she was alive. So it's a wonder what she's going to do. Okay, enough about notes from the road. What we saw today was a troop of four people in uniforms and green muscle shirts walking through, talking about another one for the fire, folks. Let's move them out. Clear out the fields here. Let's get these things back to being plowed. I heard that from one of the soldiers. Another said, it's all right, Sarge. We got this under control. It's our town now. I know these people have been staying at Noma's Inn. And some of them are in a caravan of green trucks parked along the dusty road and helping to man the relief tents. I've seen they have yellow crime scene tape up around the Victorian house and around where Dell's house was. And there's been people with equipment 
sniffing up remains and picking up trash bags full of unknown objects. It's hard to tell what these were. Some people claim it was parts of the house, wood and glass. Others people say it was human body parts or equipment from the investigation. Anyway, it's been little pieces, nothing bigger than a softball. And they're gathering this up out of the ground. There is a scoured spot where dirt and grass and sod was torn away from where the Victorian house was and the foundation has been laid waste there. We did hear one soldier ask his commander if these zombies really were dead. He goes, oh yeah, they're dead alright, they're all messed up. You might recognize those lines from Night of the Living Dead. It appears that some of the soldiers are watching these movies and commenting a little bit here. I don't think they should be stealing such lines, but that's what's happened. Maybe they should go see 28 Days Later or something like that. Anyway, we did hear a few pot shots at coyotes, but it appears no one's really serious about wiping out the coyotes. I did hear someone ask about what if the coyotes had a red eye. And there was debate about whether they meant pink eye or red glowing eye. But it's not all the coyotes, maybe just two or three. Anyway, it looks like this is back under control. Andrew, let's see, not what's that? We're looking up names here. Read that this happens. So, oh yeah, Henry Dixon is the little teenager we're talking about. Henry Dixon, we last saw wandering back from the river. Let's see, if you walk past the runway and go towards the river. You'll wind up where Henry Dixon was and trying to find his way back to the dusty road. Now, this fellow had an interesting time because Lake Chisholm has been known to disappear and become part of another dimension on certain days. Henry Dixon was wandering back from the river on that day and failed to find his way home. Instead, he noticed the landscape changing and shifting, the location of hills and trees shifting, and the sound of the river changing. He also noticed what appeared to be lava flats where the lake used to be. And one time, he heard a uh, sound of rushing around in a swamp and heard gurgling and bubbling from the swamp. It confused him what was going on. When his dog heard this, the dog tries to see, see things as a realist, but instead, the dog noticed the shifting patterns and got confused. This is not very good for a, a dog, because the dog became confused. But Henry asked the dog to get him home, and the dog proceeded to walk straight ahead, found the runway, the side stretch of dirt road, and then back to the dusty road. Today, 
Henry is walking his dog again. He wants to go back to the river and look for crawdads. Maybe some fish if there is any. He knows to take a small pistol with him. And that's easy to get on the dusty road these days. Many people bought pistols before this happened. Henry and his dog are pretty well safe because the fields have looked empty for three or four days now. There hasn't been anything sighted back there. Henry walks past the runway. He greeted Ross before Ross went to the town meeting and saw what looked like two agents in black FBI coats hanging around the runway in what appeared to be one individual in an unmarked coat with sunglasses on. We have no idea if this man in black is anything sinister or not, only that he appeared to be talking to the two FBI agents and there were questions about Ross Tiller. And uh, Henry was unable to hear what those questions were and he doesn't know if there's some kind of crime going on with Ross's airport or not. So we're going to continue on with the walk. There were a few objects such as rocks and bones and even a few rings in the dirt. But really all Henry saw was footprints and torn up terrain, torn up weeds where it looked like there had been a lot of trampling going on and problems with the fight. Henry did not see anything that particularly disturbed him as the town had been quite afraid of terror and stompings and fights and things already. It would be almost impossible to find a bit of blood amid animal remains and what appeared to be like dead deer and stuff in that field anyway. But that would be pretty good for the soil. It should help crops grow. There's already a few tufts of dark green grass showing up here late in the season. The dusty road is particularly dusty as we haven't had any rain in four weeks now. And Henry's footprints are kicking up dust behind him that's floating in the air. As Henry walked, his dog was behind him, and he heard a second set of footprints. Henry wasn't sure what that was, but he knows he does not have a second dog. So Henry Dixon turned around, looked at his dog, the Border Collie, and saw, standing behind the Border Collie bear, a red coyote. He saw the black nose, the black eyes, the little triangular ears, and the paws. Looked to be white paws, although they were quite dirty and appeared to be bloodstained. The coyote kept its mouth shut and appeared to be quiet. Henry said, what's going on? Why do you follow me? And the coyote simply eyed the dog bear and eyed Henry without comment. Henry asked, do you want to go home with me? And the coyote just looked up. 
Henry turned around and took one step towards the county. When that happened, the border collie snapped and went running like a black streak right towards that red coyote. We saw one red streak and one black streak go running through that field towards the FBI agents. The agents turned and drew their guns but did not fire yet because Henry was back there. Instead, the coyote veered off and went running towards the swamp. The border collie stopped and saw the FBI agents. The border collie wagged its tail and went walking back to Henry, appearing to smile. With that, the two finished their walk towards the river where Henry produced a shovel and proceeded to dig in the mud looking for a few crawdads and maybe a few worms. He could go fishing with those. We have some new characters to introduce to you today. Don and his mom Star her mom Starla are doing very well today. Sorry I called her Darla earlier. I'll have to fix my notes. And that's really not all we're going to do with the Dusty Road. I'm thinking about including a few new characters beyond the state highway or beyond the river. Dawn is continuing to get a little bigger and getting used to her friend Melissa. They are cooperating and going out on walks on the Dusty Road. Dawn is doing the best she can, really having no problem walking and appearing just a little worn out. The new character this time is a man called Trey Wallace. He's a young man recently married and holding his own on the dusty road. There has been some problem with drinking and perhaps pills. Uh, I'm not sure what drug this is yet, but it's not the first time we've had a drug story. Already, Karen has been alerted and is starting to ask Trey, what is going on with the drugs? What has happened there? Trey has a young girlfriend or wife named Martha Wallace. She has a child. We have to ask if this is Trey's child or a child of a previous marriage. Apparently there's some mixed family going on here. Martha says she does not want to have any more children. There's a poor money situation. The family has some strife going on. There's a bit of uh, difficulty. They don't get along well. But Martha is committed to stay with him. The four-year-old in the house is named Scott. This is the normal child. He has some strife in his parents, but Scott is a healthy four-year-old with plenty of energy and doing nothing wrong. So really, Scott is just watching cartoons listening to some music on the computer and asking what his parents are doing. What's up, Dad? What's up, Mom? He's asking nice questions. And his parents answer, nothing. How about we read you a book? How about we listen to a song? And then Scott is happy. Okay, we'll listen to books. Scott's favorite snack is 
Sloppy Joe's, and he likes Heath Bars. So he have a little bit of chocolate. Someone got him pips that look like a small M&M candy from another country. We don't know where that came from. And from somewhere he got pineapple tarts that give him some interesting sweets to eat. Pineapple is healthy for him. He's been eating pineapple on cottage cheese for a while now. And really Scott's life is a happy life for a kid whose future is linked to the dusty road. And what can you do when you're raised on the dusty road and you haven't even started school yet? He's been saying hi to Ghost. That's what he calls Karen. Sometimes he calls her Ghost. Sometimes he calls her Lady. And I'll be lighting a candle and thinking about these new characters as I finish up on the dusty road tonight. Now, that we've spoke about Scott, let's talk about those four soldiers and what they found wandering through the cornfields surrounding Noma's Inn and going back to the river. That's over on the left side of the road. They thought all the zombies were either dead or run off, except they found one very passive zombie wandering lost through the dusty road, just failing to interact with the soldiers, failing to show up or anything. We heard this song young soldier say to a sergeant uh, sir look over here sarge look over here and nobody shot nobody did anything the sergeant said boy you want to come over here talk to us and sarge told his men to stay back he had his gun in his hand but he did not fire it he simply said boy come here and the zombie looked up we heard a slight grumble and the boy walked towards the sergeant. He could tell the boy had torn up blue shirt on. His legs looked bloody and a, the, the pants were chewed up and tore off. Looked like a coyote had been after him. But the boy appeared uninjured other than that. He had blood on his face and arms and the shirt had tears and rips in it, but the boy was passive, just like the good vibration zombie. And Samantha would know exactly who this is if she saw it. Samantha was at the meeting when this happened and hasn't seen the boy yet. But they took the boy back to the relief tent where a nurse washed off the boy with a cloth and noticed the death pallor on his face. She checked his pulse and got zero. That was so shocking she tried it again and again got zero. She called for someone else to get a new blood pressure cuff. Measured 20 over zero and then got zero again. So this boy has no blood pressure. She checked his pulse twice and got no pulse even though the boy appeared to have some pressure and stiffness to his arms and appeared to be breathing. There was a slight smell of not putrid decay, but cadaver 
to the boy like he'd been dead for some time. But actually, his flesh appeared to be dead for only a few days. Someone had found a wrecked car and a car seat on the other side of the river and appeared that zombies had been over there visiting a recent car wreck. And we don't know if the boy and his mom had died in the car wreck and fought their way through zombies or did they get out of the car wreck alive and get killed by zombies. But now they're searching for the good vibration zombie, his mom, and rumor has it she's been spotted in the area still looking for her son. And the son has been seen to have a name written on the back of his shirt, barely visible. The name is Kevin. And he had no reaction to his name, just more guttural growling, kind of, uh, uh, uh. the nurse thinks the boy is still frightened and stressed, but she noted that since there are zombies all over this road, maybe the boy is also a zombie. He appears to have no vital signs, so she's like, well, what is this? At first she wrote dead, then she wrote unknown. That's all we can write so far. I'm sure Kevin has some problems and we haven't found his mom yet. But this boy is cold to the touch. He appears to have wounds on his legs and is very pale looking. And for all intents and purposes, we don't know what this is. Although locals and soldiers have said this boy appears to be a non-combative zombie. This is something we don't know about yet. I'm not sure if this will continue on. That was really the business I had to discuss with you today. We introduced Trace, Martha, and Scott. And now we introduce Kevin and look for Kevin's zombie mother. We're going to have many FBI agents and soldiers picking up pieces of the Victorian house. You never know what you'll find next on the dusty road. Special today, uh, the Blue Star Market is closed currently due to repairs, but we do have the relief tents set up and there are vouchers available they are taking some cash, but vouchers are given the priority. Don't worry, this will only last a little bit. We have one pound packages of ground turkey. And this is not local meat. This has been brought in from upstate. It is prepackaged and marked safe for human consumption. There are containers of potable water we have Kool-Aid packs, 10 for a dollar, and we have drink mixes and orange drink in various sizes, 10 for a dollar. There are also some kind of squeeze bottles of juice with 
panda bear designs on them. These things have been packaged in a cardboard container shrink wrapped with aid in a package. I did notice 30 pound bags of dog food and 5 pound bags of dog food. I don't think Henry Dixon is the only one who has a dog. So that's good to know. The Turkish eye amulets have been moved from the Blue Star Art over to the relief tents and are still selling fast. There hasn't been at much sale of the sage and salt lately, although people are wearing red flowers. Many of them are brought in as foam rubber items. A few of them are natural flowers. And the soldiers are handing out relief goods as much as they can. There's not much bread, but we do have one pound bags of rice we're handing out to people and telling them to boil it to make sure it's safe. This will go on for three or four weeks until the market is open again. Some people are able to get out by going past Noma's Inn and other people are staying home trying to guard their homes near. They're checking on damage and calling inspectors to see if windows have been cracked or damaged, if houses are bent, if there's any damage from the shockwave from that blast. In any way, the natural gas is shut off and people are asking if they need heat. There are portable stoves for cooking being handed out for free and people advise just to keep them. We also have charcoal set up for cooking in the backyard. Charcoal is on sale for nine bucks a bag. I think that's pretty cheap, but we don't know really. And that's all we have for the dusty road today. I hope you come by the relief tents and get your supplies soon. Everyone is welcome, and we'd be glad to have you here.